Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Current Blue Podcast. My name is Dan Rowlands and I'm joined once more by John Townley for our midweek catch-up on all things Aston Villa. Um, John, how are you, mate? You okay? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks, Dan. Long, long weekend. Tuesday now, next game in six days, Monday night. Mm. It's going to come thick and, thick and fast over the next few weeks before the World Cup, isn't it? So it's, um, yeah, busy time for us especially. Mm. Yeah, it's... Um... Freezing in my house, hence the the big woolly jumper for anyone who starts to to mug me off in the comments. But it's lovely and warm. The house is cold, and I'm waiting a call from British Gas to come and check out the border and stuff. So if I have to nip off at some point, that's where I've gone to. We get a bit of housekeeping in early doors before we get into Leeds and kind of general goings on at Aston Villa. We're doing a phone in show on Thursday or Friday, where for the first time fans can send in videos of themselves or voice notes to a, a WhatsApp phone number, which I'll put on screen in a bit when I actually work out where it is, um, and fans can send us a message. We've already had six or seven people asking us questions or giving uh, their opinions on, on what's going on with Aston Villa. So you can send a voice note or a video of yourself to the following number, which I'll put up on screen in a second, 07920245162. Send us a voice note or a video and we'll uh, put your thoughts on the podcast to you, John or Ash or Matt or whoever's with me in a couple of days. John, you were at Leeds on Sunday yeah. afternoon, which was... You know, if you've still managed to wake up from the boring afternoon, or well, some of it wasn't boring. Um, how was it? What did, what was your general kind of overview of, of the the performance? Um, to be honest with you, I don't think it was actually as bad as what a lot of people were making out to be. I think there was a lot of um, sort of mass hysteria after the game. Maybe that's just social media in general. But mm. I didn't think we were that bad in terms of going to Leeds and getting a result. We were literally an Ollie Watkins... Um, goal away or a Coutinho goal away at the post Watkins missed for like three or four chances um, mm-hmm. we were one goal away from winning the game and that's what Jared said after the, uh, at full time too so it's difficult but then it's fine margins isn't it when we're sort of lingering at the bottom of the table you can't really have the excuse of oh, what could have been um, we drew the game 0-0 to 10 men so and it's a Leeds team that are tipped by many to get relegated I've, I've just looked at the um the odds and stuff for relegation and whatnot. And Leeds are backed by quite a lot of people to go down, which surprised me a little bit because they did start quite well, winning against Chelsea and getting a few good results in the bit Wolves as well. Um, but no, massive opportunity wasted. It, you can't really gloss it up any other way. I think, again, we had a game plan. I struggle to really, I don't know, I think Gerard said before the game that he'd be happy to take a point. We go to a place that we just won. We won 3-0 there last season, didn't we, at Ellen Road? Mm. And why we have to kind of put the handbrake on so much sometimes but I'd understand it if we then come away with a 1-0 or we would just win 2-0 and yeah a big factor of that would have been the red card but it's a results-based business at the moment we need results because come the World Cup we have what is it seven games left if you're not beating Leeds with 10 men and we go to Forest and we don't win we have no right to beat anyone in my opinion because Leicester are now sort of turning a corner 
doesn't look like we have turned the corner, although you get good results against City and uh, Southampton. The performances aren't up to scratch either. You can you can limp through some games, but in the Premier League you'll get found out. So at the moment, yeah, we're sort of sort of just going along, aren't we, with it? But that'll um that'll come to bite us uh, come the end of the season, I'm sure. Mm. Just want to also clarify a point that I made in the post-match debrief where I said, uh, you know, we might as well have just lost Southampton and beat Leeds and we'd have had more points. And somebody said, well, beat Southampton and drew to Leeds. That's four. Losing one and winning one would have been three. In my head, for some reason, I just got Southampton as being a draw for some reason. So you might as well have lost, you know, lost one of the draws and got a win instead. It's kind of a lot making of the unbeaten thing, isn't there? You know, you could be unbeaten in four and have four nil-nil draws. Or you could win two and lose two. You'd have more points. That's the point I was trying to make. It's unbeaten is kind of irrelevant. I want points. So however they however they come is, is is what you go for. I said as well, I always just feel like if you're playing against ten men, you should win. Just by default. I don't know whether that's oversimplifying it because I can obviously sit in and play a four four one or whatever and, and make it difficult and, and hard to break down, which is what Leeds did do. I think as we can't have said something similar that when you go and play against ten men, you do think well, this is you know the onus is on us now to go and take some points. Mm-hmm. And yes, you can caveat it and say Leeds away is a difficult place to go and whatever you want to whatever you want to claim it is. But I do just think you play pretty much the whole second half against ten men with the quality that we've got and the wages that we pay and the money that we've spent that team should be capable of beating Leeds and that feels disappointing, frustrating and annoying, whatever whatever adjective you want to go for. Yeah, I think the point you make there, Dan, about it's harder to win, I mean, potentially, but then you're not going to lose the game so or we shouldn't be losing the game. So that's that's what you have with 10 men. Yeah, I spoke to Contra after the game and he was as frustrated as what any other player would be, I suppose, in the Villa team, but particularly because he had, for me, I, I think I thought Contra was brilliant. He was my man of the match. He didn't really put foot wrong. But I don't think he has for the last few weeks either. Um, but obviously, we've been a defender. We've suddenly started to keep a clean sheet or two. We are more defensively secure. But yeah, I just can't find that balance between keeping the ball out the net and then putting it in the net in the other end. So, where, sort of where are we going at the moment? That's my uh, point. It's one thing not having necessarily that identity yet or that sort of implemented style. But then if we're not even being effective in the way that we're trying to play, which is sort of, you know, a low block and absorbing pressure, um, game management and trying to get a goal on a break or out of a set piece. That's what we're playing for um, at the moment. And we're not doing that. It looks bad. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's where we are, unfortunately, especially when it's 10 minutes against Leeds, it almost sort of amplifies it because Leeds will just sit in. And they were really happy to take a point. I was a little bit surprised that the fans were so pleased at full time to get the point. And I get they were up against it. Um, maybe it was just me or us being Villa fans and we probably knew we weren't going to score. So it was almost like, a, um, you know, why I don't know why you're so cheerful after only getting a point against Villa at home, but I guess the last ten men. So, um, but no, yeah, it's, uh, you're kind of just scratching your head at the moment. Where are we going? I think is the main main sort of takeaway from the last few games for me. Mm, I've done podcasts here and, and fan channels before. Before I started working, I used the title of something we've used today. You know, what is going on at Aston Villa? What's happening at Aston Villa? What's going wrong at Aston Villa? I feel like I've used that five or six times over the last couple of years because there's always a point during a season where you go, what are we doing here? What are we trying to do? What What is the aim? What is the ambition? And, you know, pose those comments to the, the, the Villa Trust meeting or the fans group meeting or whatever it was, kind of saying the style of play or the identity is, is a work in progress. That worries me a little bit. Four, four years back in the Premier League or three years back in the Premier League, yeah. a year of, of Steven Gerrard now, kind of, you know, we have the summer going here, we're going to spend this amount of money, we're going to push for next season, we want to finish in the top half. Players like McGinn coming out on TalkSport saying we want to upset the European clubs at some point, whether we, you know that's this season or not. 
to say then eight games in, well, you know, what we're trying to do is a work in progress. I kind of think, well, what have we been, what have we been working on for the, for the last year, yeah. for the last two or three years? What is the progress? Because at the moment you watch us play boring football, scraping one nil wins at home against Southampton, getting over the line to, for a nil nil at Leeds. And if it wasn't for John McGinn at the end of that game, to be fair, we'd have lost that. Would have lost against Leeds as well. That was a great block from him, a great challenge. So I kind of look at those kind of comments and think, what what is the progress? What what is the work yeah. in progress? Where are we headed here? Yeah, I think those comments could be could be applied after we lose Jack Grealish and the mm. player that's so instrumental. But in the summer, all we've done is add two quality players in Kamara and uh, Carlos. And admittedly, yes, they're injured. But Gerard's now work. Gerard, sorry, is now working with the same team that he's been working with for what four or five months prior to this season starting. So to say after nearly 12 months from his appointment that it's a work in progress, that is um, one way of just admitting that it hasn't gone as... No, it's as basically we- saying well, the last year has been a waste, is how I interpret yeah. it. And, and this season, if it doesn't go on to be a top 10 finish, let's say, if we finish 13th and it, it dribbles out into a damp squib ending of a season, it's another season of wasted. You know, yeah, well, wasted yeah. This season wasted last season is, is how I would see it. I understand it's not a, you know, it isn't football manager, which I'll talk about in a sec. Someone notes for later, and it can't just be done overnight, and you just suddenly change everything, and it's all rosy. I understand it is a progress thing that it does take time, but it's been a year of Stephen Gerald now, and I don't know if we're any better now, approaching October, November, twenty twenty two, than we were in October twenty twenty one. Well, we're not. Let's be real. We're not better than what we were. If anything, we have gone backwards because we were winning at Palace and we lost there this season. We uh, beat Brighton and look where Brighton have gone uh, mm. since Potter. And you know, obviously, there doesn't seem to sort of be like the, the wheels are falling off there um, after Potter's left after the Liverpool result. Uh, but no, it's it's difficult. I mean, uh, Gerard said himself, and I kind of respected the uh, the honesty when he mentioned that he's sort of stripped it back a little bit, taken out a bit of creativity and sort of played for results. And that's fine by me because we know this season so far hasn't gone well at all and we need to get results. Um, because as I say by the World Cup, if we're not winning more than two games, we're probably in that relegation zone. Mm. And that's a massive problem because then they're going to come thick and fast after that, uh, after um, December. So, you know, again, where are we going? Uh, Just on that break as well, after the international break, and it's, you know, we had a, the postponement for the Queen's death as well. I kind of come back from that international break and I've been away on holiday as well, so I kind of switched off from everything. But I didn't really keep up with anything and came back thinking, right, I know some players have gone away in international due to quite a few players, to be fair. We've had a few injuries to, to Carlos and Kamara. Um, Martinez had a few niggles, didn't he, as well, before the, before the break. And you kind of think, well, you know, we'll kind of see what happens. I'm also half expecting to go, we've had two weeks, let's maybe see a couple of exciting new set pieces or come out with a bit of intensity and go, oh, okay, that's what's been worked on in this last two-week period. But I've kind of watched the whole of the Leeds game and gone, we look the same as we did before the break, so what have we worked on? We can have see as many videos as we like on social media from banging in goals on the training ground, but that's not a match match day environment. Is it's, it's one thing to be good in training, but I want to see them be good on a match day. And Again, I've I've not really seen much in the in the entire season so far, bar the Man City game, which is probably our, our be- one of our better perform probably our best performance. I've not seen anything to go. Oh yeah, we worked on this in the summer, and we worked on this in the international break, and we'll work on that in the World Cup break. It's yeah. kind of just meandering from game to game, going. Well, we'll see what we'll see what Villa turns up today. I'm not quite sure what it'll be, but it probably won't be exciting. But during that international break, that's as a well, grim place to be, isn't it? Oh, I'm not even looking forward to games now. During that international break, you had Coutinho. At Bodymore Heath, Douglas Lewis at Bodymore Heath. Um, admittedly, we had again a few injuries to Luca Dean and uh Kamara during that, but you 
is, is not working with um, with nobody during during the break. It's, it's that was almost like a a two week camp, wasn't it? Uh, body more. Let, let's let's get back together. Let's regroup. Leeds and Forest coming up. Um, and again, we are working on fine margins because if we get that one goal, then we do get a result. And admittedly, a point against ten men in Leeds Leeds isn't good enough. So against Forest, to me, that's a must win. You need a minimum was four points out of these two games coming up. Um, mm. But you're right, then we haven't seen anything in the performances to suggest that we're sort of moving or progressing in the way that we need to. I wonder if Gerard's targeted the next seven games. It's almost mini block before the World Cup is let's get the results or let's get as many points as we can on the board to climb the table as much as possible. Um, to do that, we're going to go back to sort of basics as we've seen against City and Southampton. Uh, and is, then is that, is that work in progress though, going back to the basics uh, after a then, year? But I do think that no, it's not. But then got to be real. Like where a couple of weeks ago when we were losing to West Ham and Arsenal, I think I think there was a serious question that would have been asked if we then lost to uh, City and didn't win against Southampton and then come up against Leeds and didn't win. Mm. We'd, we'd, yeah. we'd be in the relegation zone, wouldn't we? So he's probably targeting these games is what I'm saying up until the World Cup. During the World Cup is then where you've almost got a pre-season um, with a bunch of players that because they've been underperforming for reason X, Y and Z, they're probably not going to go to the World Cup anyway. So mm. that's almost his regroup time and whether you like it or not, that's that's where we're at. And it's almost like a what can Neil Critchley do as well? Because we've obviously had the Michael Beale thing, who Gerard leaned on very heavily. Um, it's all kind of fallen to pieces a little bit since then. Now it's almost Critchley's turn for a, for a pre-season because during the actual pre-season, obviously he wasn't allowed in Australia or you know, passport issues or whatever it was. So that, in my head, is where I'm at with Gerard in terms of I'm thinking he's having the next, what is it, five five weeks, four weeks? to get as many results as we can to, you know, keep his job secure, keep the players on the side, let's move at the table if we can. And then that's his opportunity to sort of um, bed in his philosophy or what identity he wants to bring. However, that isn't, you know, let's be honest, that isn't good enough. We've had 12 months and um, here we are, we're back to square one. Uh, but but to me, that's my, that, that's my summary. That, that, that's that's hmm. where we're at. Yeah, on the Bill thing, it's again, I've said before about no excuses, and I'm not going to give excuses, but obviously losing an assistant is going to make an impact. But you look at sides like Brighton or Brentford who lose managers and carry on as if nothing's happened or, or, or get better. So for us to lose an assistant manager shouldn't really affect us that much, to be honest. And I just want to see more from the players that we've got. Um, I'm going to make a point about something as you were talking there, and I've totally forgot what it was. So I'll just move on. Um, 7 2 against Liverpool was two years ago today. I was reminded when I first started up this morning, seven o'clock, going through my emails, doing a few bits and pieces, preparing for this and some social posts. And I was, uh, Googled, as I always do, the date and, and village to see if there's anything to, to go back to. And I saw that 7-2, watched the highlights. And I was like, ah, oh, the glory days, the good times. We obviously weren't in the stadiums, but what a moment that was, the podcast that came after it, all the stuff we were doing after it, uh, riding the wave of, of a great start to that season. If you'd have said back then, from two years on, Dean Smith won't be here, Jack Grealish won't be here, you'll have Steven Gerrard, you've had a pretty average 2022 as a whole, and you'll be starting this season with a point per game and sitting down to do podcast titled What Is Going Wrong at Aston Villa. I'll be going, what happened? Why haven't we clicked on? Why aren't we in the Champions League from two years now? Why aren't we in the Europa League for two years from now? Did you think, if you look back with the, the benefit of hindsight, should we have pushed on more in the last two years than we have? Yeah, I, I mean, you, you'd you'd expect so. I mean, progress isn't always linear, so it's difficult to sort of say next season we get top half and the season after that, which would be this season, is, you know, 
bash on the door of Europe. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I think we lost Grealish and that's a massive, you know, whether you like it or not, that's a massive, uh, that was a massive blow, sorry. And the investment after that, we've seen uh, Danny Ings bought for £30 million and he can't really get a game because we already have a striker in Ollie Watkins. Um, Leon Bailey has shown uh, glimpses, but he barely played last year. And Emi Buendia can hardly get a game. So, um, that's a replacement for one of the best players in the Premier League. So it's uh, mm. when you put it like that for me, I'm not surprised that we're um, not near seventh at the moment. You know, but if you ask me, as you say, two years ago, should have should we have improved? Then yes, of course. I think losing Grealish again, you must excuse that season afterwards. But then the season after that was then a was then a year to uh, really push on and get the recruitment right. And so far that hasn't really worked. And again, we've had a couple of injuries. Of course, we have, but those injuries have happened um, to two defensive players and we can't get the balance right. We're not scoring enough goals. I think I, I forgot how many teams have scored less than us, but it's not very, it's not yeah, very it's many. Not I think it's only two, is it West Ham and someone else? Wolves, potentially. Maybe. Wolves could be a shout, yeah. So it, it's bleak after those two years being Liverpool 7-2. I feel like we could be Liverpool 7-2 this season, to be fair. <laughs> um, I, mean, I think I think the stats are somewhere is that we've scored more goals in that game than we have all season so far. Yeah, yeah. I think we've scored six goals this season. Only yeah. one goal in the last, uh, two goals in the last three. One all with Man City, one nil Southampton. You got anything positive to talk about? Uh, not really, no. This is, this is the podcast, mate. Welcome back to the Clampy podcast. Um, yeah, West Ham and Wolves are, are the only sides to score less than us from AVFC Stato there. Thank you, AVFC Stato. There's loads of comments. I will get to them as we go through. Um, Mark, scoring goals is a major concern. And this is the, the point I was going to make a couple of minutes ago. I'm talking about getting results as quick as possible. One from Steve here. Yeah. Um, getting as m- many results as possible is what we should be thinking at all times, not just, just because the World Cup is looming. Lose at Forest and a change at the top will be needed. Get potching. And we'll come to yeah. that as stuff later. But just quickly on that. Yeah. I understand the going back to the basics thing and being pragmatic and you know getting the getting the clean sheet first as a kind of base to to pr- progress forward. But it's one or the other, isn't it? We either score goals and we're we're in games that are two all or we're throwing points away and we look shaky, or we get a clean sheet and we can't hit a bundle. And it's yeah, not yeah. even for the for the lack of making chances because we've had a, a few against Leeds. And if you do win that game two nil. It's a totally different podcast on Sunday and it's a totally different podcast today. And we're looking ahead to Forest going, I got battered on Monday night. We should go there, get six points out of the two games. Happy days, move on to Chelsea, see what happens there. We go on a bit of a run. Um, but we're looking at it going, we, we can either score or we can keep a clean sheet. We can't do both. And I, yeah. I kind of understand getting that clean sheet because it is a basis, but not throwing out all the attacking intent and all the attacking play at the same time. You've got to have a balance of both, which is I don't think we can do uh, yeah, and it's one of those where, again, it's a results-based business, we keep saying it, but if we're not getting those results, that's one thing. But even if we are getting those, if Coutinho did score that goal or Ollie Watkins didn't slip over on his arse and miss, miss like an open goal afterwards, I still have the same feelings of, OK, we've won that game, but we can't do that every game. We're not going to yeah. win. I don't know how to put it. It's not sustainable. That, we've said it before. That's my point about why I think Gerard is treating these next seven games as a let's go back to basics and let's try and get as many points as we, as we possibly can. Then we will treat December as a pre-season or November or whatever it is. Um, that's just my thoughts. And I'm not saying that's good enough. It really isn't. But that's where we're at at the moment. I don't think, you know, if if we were turning up to Leeds and we kept clean sheet and we played fluid attacking football, I'd be shocked because we're not in that position. We're not in that mm. place at the moment. We just aren't. Um, and it will, under Gerrard anyway, that will take an, another portion of time because, we're so far away from that. He said himself, there's loads and loads of work to do. 
that's after 12 months of being in the job. So whichever way you look at it, it's not great and it's not ideal. It's again, it's poor, if anything. Um, but that's just where we are. We have seven games left until that break and we need to get results. We really do, because if we don't, then we will be in trouble. And <laughs> every decision that comes after that will be made harder by that, if that makes sense. You know, where, wherever you are, I know the fan base is quite um, torn or maybe not even torn at the moment, but we all need those results because the job just gets a whole lot harder in the second half of the season, whoever or whatever decisions are made. Um, yeah, it's difficult, but at the moment, yeah, it's obviously not good enough. We'll talk about strikers in a sec. The feeling I've got that I noted down before we started this was similar to a transfer window, and this is from a work perspective. I don't know whether this will apply to, to fans that are watching, but to me, the, the managerial situation is the same as transfer window, and it's that, that feeling of being on a knife edge all the time. I don't know, you'll have experienced this. I'll try and explain it as best I can. In a transfer window, and you've got 90 days of the window being open or whatever it is, every single day that you work in, you're thinking something could happen at any time here. There could be an announcement, there could be a signing out of the blue, there could be an interview with the manager, anything could drop at any moment. And you're always kind of looking at your phone, even when you're not on shift, going, well, if something happens now, I need to go and do a podcast or I need to do a social post or whatever it is. And you're always kind of wary of, right, but I don't normally post stuff on social media after eight o'clock. So I'm probably all right to settle down for the night now because nothing will, nothing will happen. Yeah. And I kind of feel the same way about the manager, the managerial position, that when we win a game, it's like, okay, I can't settle down for a bit now. He's not going to be sacked now because we've just won a game. If we lose, it's like, at any point now, Gerald could be sacked and I'm going to rush out and do all the graphics and we'll do a podcast and it's going to be on edge. So if we win against Forest on Monday, which we have to, it's a must win, in my opinion, you have to win that. At any opportunity, whatever it takes, win at all costs. Yeah. It kind of go okay. We'll kind of whether it's paper and over the cracks or what. I still think Gerald will get till the World Cup break. By the way, regardless, I think unless we lose all seven, of course, but I think we'll do enough to to get to that at least. And then you've got time to assess it if if they do want to assess it. But until then, every game that we draw, you lose. You think well, there could be a club statement drop at any moment, and it's that feeling of being on a knife edge that I don't like. And maybe that's just a work thing from our perspective. But as a fan, even you think. We're just in this limbo period of a couple of wins and Gerald stays, a couple of losses, and he and he loses his job. And we go back to back to square one of going, oh, new manager, fresh start, new signings, blah blah blah. And it's another kind of hopefully not a false dawn of sitting going, well, will ex manager be the one to solve our problems? Who knows? And it's yeah. that weird feeling of limbo that I, I don't really no, like. I, I don't think it's just a work perspective. It's it's a general thought of it's on the knife edge because again, uh, it's almost similar similar to the point I've just made of. We could get a result against Forest or, uh, you know, whatever it is, as we have done in the last three games, but we're still in the mm -hmm. same position of we don't really know what we're seeing. We don't know where we're going. Um, and this could change in a matter of two weeks. Like, I think it's uh, if we stay unbeaten against, sorry, if, if we avoid defeat against Forest, it, I believe that's our longest in run under Gerard. I think that's correct. I don't want to. I think so. I believe that's what you so. told me earlier anyway, so I assume it's true. Yeah. Um, but then is this not one of the sort of the lowest points that some fans have sort of had in terms of uh, that feeling towards the team at the moment and where we're going? Mm, so yeah. on one hand, it's like, okay, this should be this should be the positive side. It's really not though. So it, that almost says everything in terms of, yeah, you can just be getting results, but we really need to start seeing some continuity, some consistency, not in just performances, but in in decisions, in in a whole lot of things. So it's um yeah, it's just difficult and it's it's hard to come on and say in the next seven games we just need results because that completely contradicts what I've just said. But I can't see in the next seven weeks, it's such a tight turnaround in fixtures, 
of suddenly becoming a team that has a proven identity and and different bits and bobs. You know, what you really want to see from a team, I can't see us suddenly becoming that over the mm. next um, you know three weeks, whatever it is. We just need results, and that isn't what I want to be saying, but it's just true. And then after that, as I say, that's Gerard's chance to then sort of prove his worth again after 12 months. And we don't want to be chopping and changing uh, managers, constant flux. It's really not what we want at all because no one's going to be getting anywhere if we keep doing that. But Because yeah. I always think like if, if Gerard is sacked tomorrow, for example, and we get in, I don't know, Bruno Large, for example, never going to happen. If that was the case, I'd almost be thinking, well, how long is it till we did the podcast saying he's been sacked? Will he get enough time to sort it? Because there's a few comments saying you've got to give Gerald time and 12 months isn't enough. But I, I do feel like you've got to see more than we've seen to make me definitively say, yes, he does need more time for sure. He needs another year. He needs 18 months because football managers aren't afforded that time in the modern game. I like to, to get chance to, to get their their kind of philosophy across. Yeah. But I would like to have seen and I would have expected to have seen more from Aston Villa in the last 12 months of a manager being in charge. I'd at least be able to say, yes, in the last seven games, we've done this and that's why you should get another six months or whatever. Unless I'm right, we can't you know bash it too much. When Gerard first came in, we were playing good stuff. That yeah, uh, yeah. game against United in the Cup, we were brilliant. Mm-hmm. We should have won yeah. that game. Really we have been good and it's just been the inconsistencies last season that we've had mm-hmm. to deal with. That was always the issue when coming into this campaign. It was more of a, if we can remain consistent and not lose to a newly promoted team on the first day, which we did, then we can be that team that is knocking on the door alongside a Newcastle or a West Ham or whoever it is in the top seven position. But we haven't been. So, you know, it's, it's kind of black and white. We, here's where we should have been. And at the moment, we're not there at all. And Gerard admitted that himself. Mm. Um, I'm sure he will be given time in terms of, you know, getting it right because again Critchley's just come through the door too and he is a massive part of helping Gerard as Michael Beale was so yeah that's where we are but at the moment we're just new results and fans won't want to hear it uh, but but that's where we are yeah you talked about it just a second ago about it being kind of the lowest kind of mood or the feeling towards the fan base in the club I've got I've done a very crude um google sheets form of fixtures last season versus this season I'll just remove our names out of the way um, so on the left is the 2021-22 season and on the right is, is this season. Obviously, the <laughs> games on the left are who we've played this season in order. On the left, the, fi- the results obviously aren't in the same order. But I've gone back and gone through the same opponents from last season and compared the scorelines to this. So Bournemouth on the opening day, we lost. I compared that with Watford last season. Nearly promoted, opening day, perfect comparison. Both defeats. Everton at home, won them both, same amount of points. Palace away last season, one of our better performances under Gerard, we won 2-1. This year, lost 2-1. West Ham, 4-1 last year. I think Conte gets on tough. Bit of a rubbish game, or very rubbish game. I actually missed that one, I think. That's why I didn't remember it. Lost again this season. Arsenal, lost both. All, all matching so far. Man City, we lost last season. We drew this season, one also. That's the first uh, positive season in favour of this year. Um, but the talking point where I'm going with this really comes from the bottom two there, Southampton and Leeds away, which were played in order last season and this season as well. 4-0 last season, 3-0 away, uh, 4-0 Southampton last season, 3-0 away at Leeds last season, seven goals scored, non-conceded, six points. Southampton this season, 1-0, scrappy win, boring game, just about got over the line. Leeds away, boring game, 0-0 against 10 men, four points versus six. So in those same opponents last year, 12 points this season, eight points. And obviously that's the order, eight games played, eight points. And you just think missed opportunities because some of those sides aren't even that good. 
Everton is the one they've improved since, so that's a good result. Looking back at it, they were poor at the time, though. Yeah. Going to Palace away, you think well, we could do what we've done last season. West Ham, at the time of playing them, hadn't won a game, hadn't even scored a goal, I don't think. Massive missed opportunity. Bournemouth on the opening day, avoid the stupid banana skin, and we don't. I think that's probably their only win all season. Yeah. Um, and battered by Liverpool and everybody since. Man City is the best result in there, by far. It's a good result against a good team. But those bottom two, like I said, is where the talking point comes from. We've got you know, two less points than we did against the same opponents last year. But those two games, Southampton and Leeds, are probably two of Gerrard's best. And this season, we're kind of going, yeah, one goal scored. That's, that's not great, is it? So it's only a four-point difference against the same opposition. But we do all kind of feel downbeat about it. Yeah. Uh, almost, again, is, is what we've just sort of mentioned. This on the face of it should be the sort of um, a positive sort of, I don't know, position in Gerard's tenure, but it's just not at the moment. Um, you need, again, that's leads against 10 men. And in, during those games, it's the same team that's played uh, the year before as well, isn't it? So yeah. with the only additions there are Carlos and Kamara both out. So it's difficult. Uh, I think you had 2-1 Palace as well. It's 3-1. Um, so that was that's my, my mistake. Something to make. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it's, it's tricky. I think... Like the comparisons again, it's the point of we were consistent last year, we can't be that this season, and we have been. And the performances don't seem to be getting any better, um, but they're probably worse than where they were certainly at parts last year. So it's just difficult, uh, it's, it's hard to really put your finger on where it's gone wrong as well. For me, I, I don't know where where is this sort of stemmed from. I, it's kind of just come about at the start of the season. The Bournemouth result really shocked us, I think. Um, mm. Everton, as you mentioned, I think they're really poor. And we almost threw that away. We tried our best. And then uh, get a couple of light blows. West Ham, Arsenal, you need to hold on to that point. You know, we're not a bad team. We've got brilliant players. And that's probably the reason why we're not further down the league than where we are. That's the reason why we just got over the line against Southampton, just got over the line against Everton. If you take a few of those players out, then we probably don't get over the line in those games. And we're rooted where Forest are as well. So, yeah, that's where we are. We... we there needs to be a, a big change in terms of not just performances, but you know, consistent results too. And again, four and beaten if we avoid defeat against Forest, but that doesn't paint the picture really. Um, as you mentioned, we kind of stumbled against uh, Southampton and got over the line. Leeds, 10 men, and we've just got a point. And then Forest uh, are obviously very poor at the moment. They're probably going to sack Steve Cooper this week and they could have Rafa Benitez in place. To Monday, so it's got nil nil yeah. written all over it then. Yeah, probably. But those are opportunities. You know, we mentioned opportunities, and Monday night is an opportunity that you can't waste. It, it, mm. That's the must win if you ever seen it, sort of thing. You know. Yeah, hundred percent. And seven games left till the World World Cup break that we mentioned a few times: Forest, Chelsea, Fulham, Brentford, Newcastle, Man United, then Man United in the cup. But we'll get rid of that for now because obviously we'll we'll lose that one in the third round of the FA Cup. Um, <laughs> now we'll win it. Let's change our change our attitude. <laughs> and Brighton is the last game before that World Cup break. So seven games. We're on eight points per game at the moment. Eight points a game. I wish eight games played. Eight points. If we're on. What's eight plus seven? Fifteen. If we're on fifteen games played, fifteen points. That's a disaster. So, how many points do we need from those next seven for you to sit here and and it not be a disaster? Effectively, um, I think you've probably got to take ten points out of it. <laughs> I mean, uh, Forest. Yeah, where are those ten points coming from? Well, Forest. Uh, you, you need to beat Forest. Easy. Uh, Brentford at home as well. You need to beat Brentford. And 
could never do well against Brentford. I mean, you've got, to, you've got to get a win elsewhere, haven't you? Because if you're only winning two of the next seven, we're down there. So you look at Fulham, I think Fulham are missing, uh, I'm not sure about Mitch Rich's injury. That We only play them in a couple of weeks and obviously come off injured against Newcastle. Um, and they got battered as well. I know they're down to 10 men, but they took a good beat in there. It's probably about time that they sort of come down a little bit, Fulham. I think they played really well at the start of the season, but hmm. not sure. I think you kind of take that Palenia player out and they, and they look poor. I know they would probably be playing against us, but um, Forest, Fulham and Brentford, can we target three wins there and then nick a point out of uh, possibly Brighton away? Obviously, you have Chelsea at home, Newcastle away will be tough and United too. Um, to be fair, I, th- I think in the home games, you you know, Chelsea and Man United, I don't know who just said how poor we are. <laughs> But, Come on, John. You're not going to sit here after the last half an hour and say we're going to beat Chelsea Man United at home. We're done. Erling Haaland scoring like 10 goals a game and then each of those scored once against us. <laughs> but then we draw against Man City at home and I do think yeah. that has an effect. I, I honestly do think the fans can get behind us against good, uh, against good teams. So I think mm. we've probably got a better chance of nicking a point somewhere there than going away from home against Fulham well, and winning. It suits our style of play to sit in and be compact and play on the counter, which we'll do against the better sides. So yeah, you, maybe you're not stupid after all. Maybe I'm the stupid one. I think 10 points is, I say that's a minimum. I don't think we're going to get any more than that, but that has to be the target because if it's less mm. than that, we're we're going into the World Cup and we're right down there and then there's no positivity at all in terms of, you know, after that, you'd really have to, Gerard's on sort of thin ice then because you've got to get results after then, haven't you? So there's, yeah, a need to get at least nine points, 10 points, if, if, if we, you know, if we can. Yeah, I'd have said nine points as a as a minimum expectation from. I mean, nine points from seven games is that's where we are. It's rubbish, isn't it? Really, it's still it's still nowhere near good enough, and it's getting us where we want to be. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about strikers a little bit. I'm, I'm wary of, of the, we'll be doing another podcast later in the week, and it might be you and me again. So I don't want to go over too much now. Look, that we can kind of save for later in the week. We'll talk about strikers a little bit and the lack of goals. We talked a lot about Ollie Watkins in the post match game preview review sorry on um sunday yeah. reading a comment at the same time there's a comment from david um so i'm going to read out now he said an archer as well we'll come on to that in a sec he says you spent 20 minutes talking about archer and watkins and not um, not once mentioned danny ings a proven premier league goal scorer we spent 30 million on he got eight minutes when does he get a chance through the middle maybe joe has got to point out your questions in regards to archer and we'll come on to the archer thing in a sec I was going to reply to that and I thought there's no point because we'll just mention it on the podcast. But if it's the, we've talked about it before, if it's the same system and it's just a light flight swap and it's Watkins off and Ings on, Ings can't play up front on his own. No. Um, so that's well, not going to work either. No, um, but we are, uh, Watkins takes a lot of slack, but he does, um, he gives us everything. He starts the press from the front and fans are quick to get on his back when he doesn't score a couple of goals and granted he probably should have. But a lot of the time, Danny Ings might not even be in that position or just that, when you watch, uh, yeah, that's, that sounds quite belittling, but when you really pay attention to what Watkins brings, you can't take him out of the team for Danny Ings. You just can't at the moment anyway. If you're playing both together, then I'd understand it, but then, you, then you're affecting the team elsewhere. It's a really difficult one with Ings. I mean, I, I've said it a few times. I, I question why we'd spend so much money on a player that's getting to the peak age of his career when we have uh, Ollie Watkins who scores double figures probably in England is in England England international sorry is at a prime age and he works his socks off every game and gives us everything that we need in terms of a press and you know being that sort of modern centre forward so I, I yeah I don't know why we bought Ings if I'm being totally honest and I'm not saying it's a popular at all I love him I think he's brilliant playing in Southampton he couldn't stop scoring that one season mm. but ultimately did we need him I don't think we did I don't would we be in a different position to where we are now we've barely used him so we clearly didn't need him 
you've got to play them both together if they're if they're gonna if Ings is gonna play, he's gotta play with another striker, or he's gotta play with Watkins off him on off the left or something like that. But then again, that's affecting two positions just to get Danny Ings into the side. Then we buy, then we buy Danny Ings knowing that we're probably gonna have to play both up front a couple of weeks after just spending or breaking our record transfer transfer on um Emmy Buende. A couple of months later we then pay Catinio the highest paid uh <laughs> in the club's history. What sort of strategy? Well, this is, is what this is why the title is what is happening at Aston Villa because there's so many. I said to you earlier, we've, we've used the phrase a few times. We've used the same the same phrase a few times that every game or every decision or whatever it is gives us you know, this feeling of there's more questions than answers from that. So I said to you, what are these questions? And they said John Townley is typing for like ten minutes, and he's like this, 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 and we talk through most of it. But it's like that's the thing. Something happens, and you think, well, that's affected this thing now. So if Danning starts and Watkins is pushed wide, what does that mean for Buendia's future or Bailey's or Coutinho's? Yeah, where, Ramsey, Jake, Ramsey Jake. played well off off the left kind of left side number ten. He played well further forward. What happens we're, to him? We're making, we've made our own problems in the last few years, and it has to change because we're going nowhere forward, only going backwards if it doesn't. Mm. Yeah, um, and then the third striker, Cameron Archer. I said it on Sunday, I don't know what the point was for keeping him around. If he's not going to get minutes, he, he might as well have played five or six games in the Championship since and scored a couple of goals. Um, you would argue, if we'd not heard so much from Gerard and whoever during the summer, you'd think, oh, he must not be ready. He must have kept him around just to be in a, a good training ground and to be around so-called elite players rather than be in the Championship or League One and have a good time at Aston Villa. And he maybe he's just not ready for it yet. But we were told all the way through about he's ready if he's you know he's good enough he'll start games or he'll he'll feature for us we want to keep him around we're desperate if he if you lock me in a room with Cameron Archer now he stays I think I think Gerard said at one point off the cuff um and we've, we've barely seen him since a couple of minutes here and there doesn't come off the bench on, on Sunday when we're desperate for a goal and it's like we're right to ask these questions and obviously there was the kind of fallout from the the post-match press conference where Ash asked about about Archer to Gerard and Gerard kind of um bit back with a bit of a jokey answer, you know, are oh, you a mate of the family kind of thing? You've, you've asked me about him a lot this season. You know, you're a big fan of him kind of thing. And I just wanted to make a clarification on that comment because Ash has written about it since. So I'll just read out what Ash has written in a previous story just to kind of put the Archer kind of drama in quotation marks to bed. So this is from Ash. On the topic of questions, it's fair I address the elephant in the room given the backlash that came the manager's way last night with regards to my Cameron Archer question. Gerard, perhaps having a bit of banter, accused me of pushing an agenda and said something's going on while, while suggesting that I'm close to his family, which is not the case in the slightest. After a wasteful display in front of goal, I wanted to get a bit more on Archer's situation given he's back from injury, as Gerard explained on Friday. The striker didn't get on again, as we know, while Gerald has, has used that play for knowing the family line before when reporters kept purring over John McGinn's form last year. However, it was the, you've asked me 25 questions this year, 19 have been on Cam Archer, point, that was overly sarcastic. It was amicable between us, as it always is, with Gerald clearly frustrated by last night's draw. You're a fan, aren't you? Gerald smiled, proud to leave in, as I chirped back laughing, he scores goals. So that was Ashley's clarification on that drama as I said it's probably been made a bigger deal of it than it actually was and it probably was more in jest but when you see it written down and Joe's going you're a, fan, you're a fan of the family like what's going on here it kind of looks more biting than it probably was but I kind of come back to I said before we started this it kind of comes back to the Tara Mings look me in the eye comment earlier on in the season where Gerard says something that's maybe taken out of context and becomes the talking point and maybe that's a little bit kind of Mourinho-esque that we're all talking about Cameron Archer or we're, t- we're all talking about Tara Mings losing the captaincy rather than talking about a, ba- a bad result or a bad performance. But I kind of just think, well, just don't say 
things that might get you in trouble in the first place and then this never this doesn't happen don't have that banter don't have that joke because it can be misconstrued as as being a bit bitey um but the point kind of remains we need goals why is it coming out to play i think that's a fair question yeah yeah obviously it's completely valid from ashton is the question you probably should have asked to uh to be honest probably should have asked two or three questions on it because it's a it's a debate it's a, it's a topic that has to be addressed but i haven't scored many goals you have a player who you've said in pre-season that will get chances and will score goals he has done a good level last season and then he doesn't come on the pitch when we're down to 10 men with 45 minutes remaining or whatever it was so it, i'll be honest though i'm not surprised and that isn't a slight really on gerard or anything i just didn't envisage gerard uh sorry after playing much this season i just didn't i think i wrote a piece at some point when the season started Watkins, sorry, we're not playing this two up front anymore by the looks of it. So Watkins is playing down the middle. If you need a goal, Dennings will come off the bench because he's scored well, like probably nearly 100 Premier League goals in his career. Archer's not going to come on. If he comes on, he'll get two minutes at the end of a game. And then what system is that? Playing three strikes up front, that's you know Steve Bruce tactics. So mm-hmm. where is he getting <laughs> where's he getting his minutes from? It doesn't surprise me. For me, I think he should have gone out on loan again because we're just sort of holding him back a little bit. He needs to get that development. I think if he went on loan to somewhere like Norwich or uh, to work with Smith or anywhere else in the Championship, the guy would be scoring goals this season and possibly competing for the uh, Golden Boot. So, but instead, he's sort of just sitting on the bench. And I totally agree. If it's a complete valid question, obviously, and fans um, want to see Archer play because we know he can take those chances that Watkins missed. But for me, I just don't think Gerard will play him because he has Ings on the bench, and it's he's more likely to call him on than Archer. So. I disagree. I think Archer should be playing more, but I'm not surprised by it. Mm. Well, if Archer doesn't feature much in the next seven games, he should be going out on loan after after the World Cup comes back. Yeah. Which again, you kind of think, well, if he goes out on loan in the Championship and scores 12 goals in the second half of the season, we're all going to be going, well, wasn't he playing? <laughs> what was the point of that? And you kind of think, well, what we should be doing really is pre- preparing Cameron Archer this year to really be pushing for a first-team spot next year because Dennings will probably be past it next year. And it's arguable that Ollie Watkins maybe should be replaced next summer anyway and that he won't be the long-term future either and you've got someone like Cameron Archer bursting through scoring goals at England's national level I think he's played I saw a stat from Stata earlier played two games or started two games for us against Barrow and Chelsea in the cup last year and scored four goals and you know it's only a matter of time before he gets genuine actual minutes in, in the Premier League um, did he come on as well in a home game for like three minutes at the end West Ham, yeah. It's just, what's he supposed to do during that time? I'd like to see him get half an hour. And if he if he floats around and think, oh, he was absolutely anonymous and he looked like a kid, he didn't look anywhere near ready, would at least go, okay, I understand why he's not playing. But while he isn't playing, it's the, it's the same thing that we see a lot. The players that don't play suddenly become the world beaters. We're all, we're all of a sudden going, this midfield's not great. Get Morgan Sanson in. So, well, he's not played for two years, basically, either. So he's not this, this world beater. And that does happen a lot. Whoever doesn't play is kind of like the answer. But you, we're all kind of excited to see Cameron Archer and he, look, he looks ready in the bits we've seen. So you do sit here and scratch your head and go, well, he should be playing. But the coaching staff and Gerald make the decisions. And if they don't think he's ready to start or play play more than three minutes here and there, maybe he isn't ready. Possibly not. But it, again, it's um, it's a question that needs to be answered because if he's not playing, he should have gone on. Oh, it's, a, it's a question that needs to be asked, which is what yeah. Ash did. I think yeah. that's fair. And it's a shame that you didn't get the answer that would be something that we can really work oh, with yeah. we what, was, what was what was what Gerald's was Gerald's answer just apart from are you a mate of the family like is he actually did he give an answer after that to say well this is the reasons why uh, I, I think he had a, a couple of injury problems earlier in the season Archer and, and oh, okay. he's jumping the bit sort of thing so he's he's there and he's available he's ready to go but 
for whatever reason, Gerard uh, didn't bring him on, and that's fine. But yeah, be not you know, in the future maybe it would be a a good one to, to sort of bring him in just so we can see where he's at. Because as I say, we've only seen him for a couple of minutes in the Premier League, so we literally don't know uh, at the moment. Mm-hmm. We've seen him in the Championship, and we know he can score goals. And you can do that at any level for me. If you're finding the corners, the keeper's not saving the ball, is it? So, yeah, it, it's a shame because the amount of times that Watkins would go in, you'd like just dink it over the keeper, just a little finesse over the um, yeah. over Melier, and how many times have we seen Archer do that and it find the back of the net? And yeah, it's a shame. But yeah, I I, I think it'd have been an ideal situation to bring him in as well because he's he's got no other sort of um, responsibility as a Archer apart from playing on the shoulder. They're down to ten men. That you know, there was no other. There's nothing for him to do apart from wait for that chance, and if he gets it, he probably takes it. So mm. it's um, it was a shame that he didn't get on the pitch. If he's come back from injury, that's fair enough. But you know, you'd like to think that another couple of, I mean, Sunday to Monday is the gap between the, the two games. I would like to maybe see him against Forest a little bit, ten minutes, fifteen minutes against Forest to see what he can do. But yeah. let's kind of get to Forest as and when it happens. Like I say, we'll be doing another podcast later in the week where we'll touch on Forest a little bit more. But I think we both agree it's a must-win, don't we? And, but pretty much everyone in the comments agrees that it should just one come through. If we don't get three points against Forest, then he has to be sacked 100%, which, yeah, to a certain extent, I, I don't know whether I do agree with that, actually. <laughs> so I'd say, yeah, I agree with that 100%, but I'm not sure whether I do. But, you know, if you lose to bottom of the league, it's not a good look, is it? And you're already having a poor season. Yeah, you're not. Um, again, it just kind of just adds to the fire, doesn't it, in terms of where where we going? We're not we're not even getting results at this point, let alone putting in the performances that we need to be seeing. So Gerard scrapped his uh, sort of creativity or whatever he was trying to do beforehand that wasn't quite working. Again, that's fine. Should we be honest about it? But then you need to back it up with performances and results. We've had a couple of results. We got a draw against uh, City, went against Southampton, didn't get a result against Leeds because of the circumstances that we should have. So City, uh, City, Nottingham Forest, sorry, at the City ground. Um, <laughs> We need to get three points. There's no ifs or buts about it. You have to. They're they're in dire straits. That's a team that uh, are worse than Bournemouth at the moment. And although we lost to Bournemouth, <laughs> uh, to say, yeah. they're, they're just a squad that have been put together. There's 22 players there. They Steve Cooper's the manager at the moment. He probably won't be. I I, I, um, I worry for Forest anyway. I think that it's a bit of a shame because they've waited so long to come back in the league and then sort of ruined it in a way by signing so many players don't have an identity at all. I don't think they know what they're doing. So if we're losing mm-hmm. to a team that barely knows each other, um, that is a massive problem for, you know, for yeah, many reasons. That's a huge red flag. Yeah. Well, if, if, to be honest, if you don't beat them, you need to beat Nottingham Forest. Leicester put four past them and kept a clean sheet. And that's a Leicester team who have been losing every week, like 6-2, 6-3. So, yeah, you, yeah. Need, a, you need three points. It's super sad. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that a little bit. I think the podcast, the next one we do will be Thursday or Friday. I'm um, just a, a note from Ash at the press conference. I think it's Thursday, he said. So um, we'll either do like a Forest preview later in the week or we'll do this fan phoning thing and we'll talk about Forest a little bit throughout that, I, I'd imagine. Um, just a reminder for those that maybe didn't catch the start of this, we're doing a fan phoning podcast next. Um, there's a number that you can send a video of yourself asking a question or a voice note. Voice note is absolutely fine. I've had about six or seven so far, and I'd like at least 10 to make a decent episode out of it. Number is 07920-245162. So send a voice note or a video of yourself asking a question or giving your opinion on a talking point or whatever it is. We'll play them in the episode, react to them, answer any questions you've got. Uh, John, it might be you and me, so Ash is off for the rest of the week, I've just seen. So uh, we'll probably be talking about the same kind of stuff again, but uh, getting... You know, if I can get ten different voices in 
it'll at least freshen it up a little bit. So do get involved with that if you want to. Uh, John, thanks for your time this afternoon. Yeah. I do appreciate it. We've got a, a good little chat there. And it's always nice to have a bit of a, a debrief and a therapy session. So hopefully um, you've enjoyed it. And hopefully you've enjoyed it too if you're watching along or listening later after the uh, live episode. As I said, we'll be back on Thursday or Friday, so keep an eye out for that, and then we'll um, react to the, the Monday Night Football next weekend, where it's going to be a massive three points for Aston Villa um, and a 6-0 win or something. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for your time. Thanks, John, and we'll see you again in a few days. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the Villa. Up the Villa.